welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. So this week we are going to launch a new focus in a lot of different areas. And God, the Holy Spirit spoke to me about doing this in a team fashion. I like a team. I've been on a team my whole life. How many have never been on a team? Wow. Well, this will be a little more of a stretch for y'all. So, some quotes from some people I know. So, Mendel has said that collaboration, you don't even get to know everything that you're collaborating with and in. Isn't that a cool feeling? I've played on a lot of teams. And, you know, one of the things about teamwork is that you who are participants in the team are not normally the coach of the team. And normally the coach doesn't play in the game. Wonder why that is. Why is that? I'll let you ponder that. Because, you know, in the kingdom... You know, Pop is the coach, right? And he was the designer. He had a lot of hats. He's the father, the designer. He is what, when Jesus talks about he only did what the father, what he saw the father do, that, that tells us, I talk about this a lot, but he was watching the father. He was communing. He was sitting at this mercy seat thing I was made y'all run to earlier, right? Yeah. You need to run there. Not just once in your lifetime. You know, it's, it is, you know, the, I came out of the religious spirit and to be able to come out of the religious spirit and live in the freedom I live in now, I had to discover that I was dearly loved as I was. And see, what we do is we define ourselves, especially with the, re- the re- religious spirit is so good at keeping tabs at your worst day, whatever your worst. And you probably had a parent that helped with that or a spouse or a friend or a boss or a pastor or somebody came along and reinforced information that the religious spirit set up as a standard. And so, you know, that's why that it thrives on bondage. And so I really feel like in this coming season that we're going to have to actually live from a place of extreme emancipation. Everywhere in the story of humanity are moments when people were slaves and then they were freed. It just keeps repeating. I don't know if you know this, but it just keeps repeating yourself. So the people who enslave people, they're not new. The slaves are not new. And the process of coming out of slavery is not new. None of that's new. So there's no greater level of horrible treatment anywhere. It It wasn't God's plan. It was man's attempt to control. You know, I 
I think a lot sometimes about how America actually got established. And one of the things that they wanted, they wanted religious freedom. We have no idea what that means because we've lived in the water of, of this religious freedom. But I was watching a show yesterday and it's about, there are two queens in the Queen of England uh, world that were queens for the longest amount of time. One is the queen who's there now, which I'm sure any day she's got to be kicking that bucket. She's <laughs> 90 something. She's reigned for uh, 60 some odd years or more. But the second one was another woman. Right? The Queen of England named Queen Victoria. And she became queen when she was a teenager. And there's a little show about it on something that I watch every now and then. In that little show, it depicts that um, they, the religious leaders in that day were Christian, not Catholic. And Catholic was a bad thing in, in, because there was the Church of England. It was Christian. And so they wanted people to join the church in order to be fed, basically. And so what they did was the church had all the land, and so they, they would not let you even buy the land that you farmed. You realize that they didn't have any other way to eat, okay? Right? right? Farming was it. They don't, they, didn't, they don't have all these chemicals we have today that we eat and call it food, right? So they farmed the land, and if they would not convert to Christianity out of Catholicism, then they just leased the land. But then the church would come and get all the food from the land. So, I mean, think about it for a minute. So people started coming to America. Right? I mean, this, you know, America was established before. I know all that. But do you get my point? They were trying to find freedom from oppression that they couldn't eat because they wouldn't change religions. Right? Now, because of that, they were enslaved. And so a bunch of people came to America and they got them some slaves too. A bunch of people in Moses' day, they got them some slaves. What's the point? Everyone's trying to get someone to live underneath their control. See, you, maybe you don't understand it, but you were underneath some form of control, most of you. Agree, and some of you didn't even know it. Right. I could tell. I could tell stories. I mean, I know. I could tell stories about so many of y'all that you were actually thinking that you were good, and you were actually completely enslaved. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So under that thought, let's talk today, okay? So let's turn to Galatians five again. I can't get off Galatians 5. I know you're enjoying it so much. But listen, the very first sentence, let's read it in three versions. I'll go with the Amplified first. It was for this freedom. Now that word freedom, that Greek word is emancipation. It's liberty. It's both of those things. But listen to this. It's liberty to do or to omit things having no relationship to salvation. 
He didn't say, I release you into any kind of freedom ever. You just get to do willy-nilly what... No, it's only the thing that has to do with salvation. That's the liberty. So think of that as we're reading the scripture. It is for that kind of liberty, that kind of freedom that Christ has set us free completely for. Therefore, keep standing firm on what? On that knowledge that Jesus set you free so you could stand in liberty and you could discern what was for salvation, what was against salvation. So you could add more to your life that had to do and help salvation and you would omit omit things that did not. That's this freedom. Jesus died for that kind of freedom. Not for any kind of freedom. The freedom word gets run around all over the place. You've got to know what he really was freeing you into. And he says, and don't be subject again to a yoke of slavery, which you once removed. In the voice it says, so stand strong for our freedom. The anointed one freed us so we wouldn't spend one more day under the yoke of slavery, trapped under the law. In the passion, let me be clear, the anointed one has set us free, not partially, but completely free and wonderfully free. We must always cherish this truth and stubbornly refuse to go back into the bondage of our past. So I had you write down some things today from your past. Only you know that. Only you know what's hiding back there. I got stuff back there. All have sinned. I've sinned over and over and over and over and over and over and over. More sins than I can count. You know what's weird about the religious spirit? It sets, I was 24 before I thought I had sinned. Because the religious spirit sets up a hierarchy of judgment that looks at what everybody else has done and compares and says, I'm better than that. But the weird thing about it, you can't get out of it. The religious spirit is jail. Listen, there's people in this room still in the religious spirit. I'm just trying to help you right now. You are never going to be free from it until you experience sonship. It's not a word. It's just not a philosophy of mine. It's just not some good idea. It's forsaking every model, every definition, every piece. That's all bondage to you of what it means to be a son of God. A daughter of God. The first thing is, you were fearfully and wonderfully made by a creator, designer, God that is the... I mean, what is your greatest thing in creation that you like to look at? I love to see life through Mendel's childlike eyes. I mean, it's like, look at the moon. I mean, we're always looking at the moon. We're driving to high peaks in Edmond to see the moon at random times. I've never seen the moon as much as I've seen the moon in the last five years. I'm sure it was always there. 
look at that squirrel. Look at that blue jay. I mean, like yesterday I was trying to talk to her and the blue jay was squawking in the background that it was so irritating to me. She goes, listen to the blue jay. I was like, shut that blue jay up. (laughs) We all have, do you understand? I need that appreciation because I don't know what I'm appreciating, but it's not, it, it wasn't much of that. Side note, sidebar. So this week, she had a skunk in her backyard. Her and Tracy did. And I spent two weeks with the girls coming up with contraptions and systems to catch the skunk. Don't forget that I'm going to go back to the beauty of creation and whatever I was saying there, okay? I just need to tell this story really bad. So we called the critter getters. And we called and we talked to the salesman on the phone. And man... Mm, he was good. This is like a $450 skunk now. Let me tell you, this is not cheap to get rid of skunks, right? But we, like I told you, we have the $1,000 dog. Just do the math right there real quick. It's easy for me, right? $1,000 dog, $450 skunk. I, I know which one we're going to pick, right? So we should have done a skunk fund, huh? And so, and so... And so the critter getters came over and they sold us on this contraption they were going to make. I should have done a picture. I have one on my phone. I'll send it to you and we can do it at the end. Anyway, they were going to make this contraption of a fence. I said, well, is this a fence where, you know, maybe our dog, you know, can't get over. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It can't get over there. The dog can't get around it. You know, okay, well, there's the trap. Can the dog get in? This is the salesperson, right? No, man, no, it's just going to be, it's going to be a foolproof system. Well, Critter Getter guy, he came, the actual installer, and it's a tube. Uh, In tube, out tube, that's it. The fence is this big. I mean, clearly anything can get over that. There is not a fence, right? And, and, you know, we caught the skunk, so we didn't, but, you know, it got in the trap. Do you know how a a skunk trap works? Do you care? So... Yes. So a skunk trap is a tube. It's about this big because the skunk is little. We knew the skunk was little, but it had been digging holes all around the shed. So it goes in one door and the door shuts down and it goes back and does its business. And when it comes to go out, it has to go out the opposing tube. Shuts down. It's trapped. Right? Bam. Done. But see, then they have to come get it. We weren't there for that. Thank goodness. But then they reset the trap. And then the traps, they did the same thing. The door went down, but there's no skunk this time. You see, and why? here's what the critter getter said. You know what he said? What did he say? Straightforward, ma'am. Skunk trapping. Straightforward. That's what the critter getter guy, the installer, said. It was. It's not straightforward. You see what I'm saying to you? Are you with me right now? This is not an analogy. This is just a story. It was not straightforward. There were four tubes. There was no fence. This dog could get in the tube. There's no way. You understand that this salesman wasn't like the installer. But good news is we caught the skunk. Right? So Ditto doesn't have a playmate. 
that could bite her and eat her and spray her, more importantly. Did you know when the... I have one more bit of information. This is just a commercial. The skunk doesn't spray when it's in the trap. I'm clearly thinking because it can't get its tail up. But isn't that good news? Pepe Le Poo cannot poo on you when it's in that tube. Don't y'all want to see a picture of it? Just for fun, right? Send V a picture of it. He can poke it up there. Of the, of the tube. Yeah. So, okay, we're back to freedom. So we didn't want... This is why I'm telling this story. I'm sure of it. I can't think of any reason except for that we didn't want the skunk to be free. But that we can apply that, right? And it's a fun story. You want to know about our lives. You want to know what I've been doing all week long trying to catch a skunk. Right? So, back to Galatians 5.1. So when you've been released... Think about for a minute, it's easy for me to see the children of Israel. Is it for you? So an overview is that God actually called them. They were chosen people. Why did they get into slavery? They got into slavery to eat. Right? No fault of their own. See, we always think it's, we, we're always trying to place blame. Yes. Well, whose fault and who did, it doesn't matter. Wow. The truth of it is, is that God has invited us into freedom. There's all kinds of people who have been misused and abused and not taken care of, right? Yeah. But it will always come down to, can I release and forgive them and actually protect myself? That's why it says stubbornly, Refuse to go back. Once that I've been released, listen, let me give you my story. Once I was released from the religious spirit, and it was hard. It was like an addiction. I wrangled around with it because there were things about it that I agreed with. They made me feel proud of myself. When I didn't sin, I felt so proud. I felt real proud of myself, and I would find me a sinner. And I'd be like, I'm not as bad as you. That's what the religious spirit does. It's always hunting. How many? No, that's true. It's got the religious spirit. Always hunting down. But then the weird thing, it would turn it on myself. And next thing I knew, I couldn't get over the hump of feeling so bad about what I had done to somebody or around somebody or just actions. And I couldn't even see his forgiveness. I couldn't even comprehend as far as the east is from the west because it was ever before me and I was worried somebody would find out. What if somebody found out I sinned? Even though the Bible clearly states all. Why all of a sudden when was my sin worse than everyone else? And see, when I finally came to realization, everybody has sinned. Everybody can connect to the guilt and condemnation of sin or can connect to the freedom and emancipation of the Holy Spirit. And I had to choose every day, every day, every day, every day to believe what he said until I believed it. Not just, just for a little bit. And see, what the religious spirit does, it tries to make you do that on your own. It loves independence. 
It loves not being on no team. It loves to self-protect. It sets up all kinds of systems because if someone found out what I was really like, they would judge me. And we have a whole world that does it. I mean, you just do one little thing, right? Poor Hunter Biden. I don't know where that laptop thing is, but get that thing. Get it exposed. Somebody tell. By this point, think about your laptop for a minute. Think about the stuff that when you weren't even watching, somebody was watching on your laptop. Right? I mean, if that all came back to you, I let people touch my laptop. I'm thinking, I don't know what they're watching on my laptop. Poor Hunter, right? I mean, that thing's been, he'll never get away from that. What's the goal? Lord knows. Like, what, whoever is in pursuit of that and keeps that thing alive, who knows? It's the blame game. We've got to find somebody to blame. And this, this freedom, that's, I know that he's an overt example, but that's how the religious spirit works. That's how the accusing spirit works. It may not be some laptop that's going to be on public news next week, but it's going to be some little something somewhere in the back of your past that you wish that you hadn't done and you hope that nobody ever finds out. I've done it too. We're never going to get away from it. Why did God make it where mankind could sin? Won't you ask God some serious questions sometimes? Why didn't he just make it where once we know the truth, it's impossible to sin? Why? Because his plan is bigger than your ability to ruin your life through sin. Now that was deader in a door now. Listen, God's grace, mercy, blood plan is way bigger than your ability to hijack your own life with your own choices. If you don't believe that, you're underneath the religious spirit. Don't call it some other something. You're self-managing with the religious spirit and it does not play fair and it'll change the rules on you next week and then you'll buy, you'll judge everybody by those rules and it'll come back and judge you and then you'll change the rules and it'll judge you on that. That's because it's a religious spirit. It's a stronghold. Listen, a lot, if you went to church, any of you in here went to church for any length of time at a pastor-led church, you probably experienced the religious spirit. I'm sorry. I'm trying to get you out of that. I don't believe like that anymore. If you think I'm saying something and it makes you feel like that, it is not me. It is that stronghold. And God is just trying to highlight it to you so you will get it out and kill it like the skunk. Stick it in a tube and send it off to the critter getter. Get rid of it. It holds you back from your destiny. That's why he says stubbornly refuse to go back to the bondage of your past. The religious spirit lies in wait in the bondage of your past to remind you of it just when you're about to get freedom. Why do you think we're sitting there with the doctor? Literally an hour and ten minutes sitting there and then he comes in. He's like, yeah, I think we should do a biopsy of that. I'm like, whatever. Can you burn these off? That's all I'm here for. No, no, it's fry them off. Freeze them off. Nitro. He says, you're going to feel a little brain freeze. Yes, that's how I would describe it. Exactly. (laughs) Why would the IRS call right then? We just testified about these two things the day before. 
we got in the car cracking up, saying, oh, my gosh, the enemy's an idiot. Like, how much more blatantly stupid can he be? Have you learned yet that he just plays the same record over and over and over? Remember when you bowed to it and you panicked by it and you got underneath it and you were just tired for, it makes you tired, you were tired for days on end and then you got sick and you couldn't figure out where it started. It started to me yoking up and getting under bondage again. When I yoke up with it and I get under it, it creates all kinds of havoc for me because I've heard freedom. I've heard the freedom message. I'm contending to stay in freedom. That's your job. To contend to stay in freedom. So figure out what makes you go back to bondage. Maybe it's just your whole soul whining for something, for someone, for some love, for some fantasy, for some something in the past, and you're just missing them. I don't know. But when he releases you into freedom, run and be free. Stubbornly refuse to go back. The voice says that you're trapped. Trapped under the law. What was the law? It wasn't grace. What was the law? The law was an external set of rules that he actually wanted to write on. That's why when he came to write them on, our hearts not as big as those stone tablets, so he just made two. Love God, love people. Right? Uh, right? I mean, you know the Catholics are glad that they did stoning because then they'd be doing this all the time. They're just glad it was a cross. Right? These religious activities, you see? Bondages. It's true. They're all just made up ritualistic things we do that are wrong that we don't even know what they mean. That's why he wanted to write them on our hearts and our hearts are so tiny and he's a still small sport. He just did it with two things. Love God, love people. And then he empowers us to love. So we have no excuse. Stop making excuses for what's free. It is good, Lynn. It's just good. Turn to 2 Corinthians 3. Are you good? Yes. Are you happy? Yes. I'm so happy. Tomorrow is pickleball for Teresa Day. You know I'm happy. 2 Corinthians 3.17 It says, let's let's back up to, um, oh gosh, don't you want to read the whole, let's go seven. Even the ministry that was characterized by the chiseled letters on stone tablets came with a dazzling measure of glory, though it produced death. The Israelites couldn't bear to gaze upon the glowing, glowing face of Moses because the radiant splendor shining from his countenance, a glory destined to fade away. Yet how much more radiant is this new glorious ministry of the Spirit that shines from us? Do you understand 
that the ministry of him writing on your heart produces a glory that then shines out. When I learn to love God, love people, and I make that a priority. Remember, he's engrafted me into a family that makes this easy to do. If I stand outside the camp in independence, I act like I have leprosy, then I can't come into the engraftedness. And so you're going to experience things like they don't like me. I feel rejected. I've messed up too much. It's too hard. I don't understand. It's too difficult. I can't think. Those are all things that lepers think. See, the invitation is to come in and let that be written on you, and then you become shiny. You don't even do anything. You just accept him, and then he writes on you, and then he writes on you, and he writes on you, and he writes on you. you. That's what I always wanted to do. Why did the finger of God come down and write on stone? He wanted to write on something. You know, Cece was telling me about this novel she's reading, and it was back in the day when they didn't have paper, so the girl was tearing off wallpaper off the walls because she needed to write her story. That's God. He couldn't find a heart to write on, so he had to get a big old boulder. And so when Moses broke him, what did Moses have to do? He had to rewrite him in his own hand with his own chisel. He had to, do you understand? Do you see the metaphor at all? Anyone? No. All right. Nine. For if the former ministry of condemnation was ushered in with the measure of glory. Think of it. God knew that the chiseled letter would bring with it condemnation, but he did it anyway. Why? Because he wanted to meet with the slaves and make them his people. But they were too afraid of their own sin and their own desire to serve another God that they could see. I hope you got that. But it still came with a measure of glory. Because it made Moses' face shine. That's how they knew it was glory. God didn't have to say anything. People will know you've been with God. Listen, I want to tell them, Mendel. So before service, a lot of times on Sunday and Wednesday, she's yawning now because she's exhausted, but she's in a war and she can't figure it out. And she can, at times, like this morning, have a slight bit of panic come upon her. In the green room, I'm in there with panic, Penny. And so so her f- countenance, when she comes down from the platform of worship warm-up, warm up, because, of course, her ears weren't good, you know, the whole thing, you know, because she's mad because she wants to worship. She don't want anything to be in the way of worship. Get out of the way. And it makes her mad that Claude and I have no idea what we're doing. And so she goes in her f- countenance shows what she's feeling on the inside. She doesn't like that, but it's just, she's just one of those people that do that. Do you do that? Does anybody know if they do that? Don't you hate that about it? Don't you wish that you could just fake it on the outside? But you can't! <laughs> and so I invite her to strengthen her muscle. That's what I said to her. This, is, this muscle is weak in you. You know by the time the service is over, you're not going to feel this way. And you know that you are not your own. You've been purchased. You gave up your life. You gave up everything, any rights you have to your life, even how you feel. And this is the Holy Spirit. And so I, I walk her through a process. Well, 
Of course, we get to the other side, but then she needs coffee. That's the, you know, ice cream dean. She used to need ice cream. Both of those I'm happy to supply. So off she goes to get her coffee, right? I go to the restroom, it's 1043. When she comes back, her face is completely different. And I said, you find, you touch peace. That it radiates. That's what he's describing here. It's a good example. This happens to you. Be aware. Know thyself. Be aware so you're not trying to solve it some random weird way with a, something else. It's knowledge that the supernatural is trying to impart to you. And it's a privilege that he chose you. You may not be good at it. You might panic and you might stumble, but get up against somebody that knows what muscle is being exercised in you and let them train you and trust them. Trust them. Put pre- let God put a little pressure on it. It's just atrophied. It's not death. It is not fatal. Just because you're not good at it, you don't know if you're a feeler or a toucher or a hider or a sanguine or a penguin or I don't know everything I've tried to instruct everybody on it doesn't really matter at the end of the day you're not your own and at the end of the day there's only one purpose to let his glory shine let him ride on you what needs to happen wherever you are wherever you're going whatever you're doing that's the point I can't create another scenario that's special for you that you don't have to abide by these rules Sucking the air right out of the room. Nine. For if the former ministry of condemnation was ushered in with a measure of glory, how much more does the ministry that imparts righteousness far excel in glory? What's the difference? We're talking about the difference between the law and what Jesus did in the work of the cross and resurrection. This compelled people with a plumb line. And they they knew they didn't they knew they fell short. And they knew the, what they had to do when they fell short. They had a prescribed way for sins to be removed. And guess what? When they did that prescribed way, they were done. They just killed somebody yesterday and today they killed a bull and they're good. That was the law. Once a year, you just did a bunch of random old crappy things. You didn't know what you were doing, hurt people, and you just killed a bull, and it was good with God, and you're good. You're golden. And they were good with it. That was the measure of glory. But then Jesus came on the scene. And see, what he did, he gave a new system, but then he left the Holy Spirit to empower the system in you. That's the part that you have to understand that is so distinctly different from the law. God God had the same standard with the law as He does now. Uh, I don't know if you got that. But see, Jesus imparts righteousness into us. I become engrafted into Jesus. This is what Papa sees. Jesus. I'm inside Jesus because I chose. Right? This is the righteousness you are so privileged to understand, experience, and live in. Gay 
gave you righteousness, gave it to you through Jesus, through what Jesus did. No works of your own, because you would brag about it. You'd be like, look what I did last week. I read my Bible. I read two chapters. I memorized two verses. I called somebody. I gave, I got a 20 here in my pocket. I gave that to TJ over there at the, well, that's what we would do. And we'd say, that made me right. Those actions, those actions, the ones I described to you made me right. Now, you know, I watched something on my phone I shouldn't have, and, you know, and I was late to work a hundred times, you know, and I ran somebody over, but, you know, I was right. With these other five things. See, it then becomes the Holy Spirit inside going, oh, 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 no. No, no, you don't want to do that. Even if I do it. I've got the defense attorney. Now, Papa, you know that they're just flesh and bone. You know, Papa, they didn't mean to do Oh, Papa, come on, come in here, redeem them, say them. That's what you got in Jesus. I feel completely covered on every side. I'm incapable of messing it up. You're incapable. what once was glorious no longer holds any glory any glory zero glory the law holds no glory in light of the plan I'm living by the plan see some of us still act like we're living by the law except for we just don't butcher the cow or whatever it was. Lamb. I don't know. We still live with the same mindset. Except for we never forgive ourselves. And then we think nobody else is forgiving us. We think, we think everybody else is thinking the things about us that we think about ourselves. And they're not because they're thinking it about them. They're not thinking about you. You come in the door thinking, oh, everybody's thinking this thing. I've been thinking. No, no one is thinking that. I am not thinking it. I had somebody tell, I'm going to tell it on TT. She said, now I know you probably know what I'm going to tell you. I'm like, no, I'm not thinking about you. If you got something to tell me, just tell me. She can't tell me because, you know, she's just like stumbling around. But I wasn't thinking it. What she told me, I, I didn't even, I said something. Of course, I always say something. I'm the one saying stuff. So you're going to, if someone's going to offend you, it's probably going to be me because I'm saying stuff to offend you. Right? But did I remember what I said? No. Because I said a bunch of other stuff this week too. How could I possibly know that every little word that comes out of my mouth, where is going to knock on your little doorway and you're going to choose to either let it in and change your or close the door and offend you? How could I know? Right? That's why I have to live in this knowledge of righteousness. Because if something does come out of my mouth and it does knock at your door, it's His love. It's my job. Right? Now see, when you do my job on your own heart, just think what we could do. Just think, if you didn't need me to do this anymore, just think what we could build. 
Just think what we could do where the whole room knew they were completely washed and cleansed and free in the blood, right? They didn't need to get up every day and read about the plumb line. It was written on their heart. And the Holy Spirit would just nudge and nudge and nudge and lead and lead and lead. Just think what we could do. Look how far you've come. Think about when you didn't even know what I'm saying today. You had no idea. You didn't even know you had an assignment. Remember those days? Remember when you thought that sickness was something else? Right? Look how far you've come. Let's stop for a minute and let's just think about it. Look at where you came from. Look at where you came from. Look. What once was glorious no longer holds any glory because of the ever-increasing glory that has replaced it. Remember, salvation is unfolding, 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 unfolding. It's ever-increasing in knowledge and glory and power. Think about what you thought about salvation when you were five and what you think about salvation today. Has it not increased in glory in your life? Has it not empowered you in a greater way than ever before? Right? We're not just still having an altar call every week. It says, So then with this amazing hope living in us, I'm trying to get to 17. So then with this amazing hope living in us, we step out in freedom and boldness to speak the truth. Now that just said just the holy man, didn't it? Only the holiest man gets to speak out in boldness and truth and freedom. That's what who does? The ones that the glory's pouring out of. You can't help it. When you run up to something and you're like, remember when you used to run up to something and it bugged you and you just turned away? And now you're like, I need to say something about that. I need to set that straight a little bit. You don't have to be mean about it. Because you're glory. They already feel it. That's the cool part is it's already stirring up in them. You don't know it. Because you're thinking about you and everything you've ever done wrong. But that, it's already stirring up with them. It's true. See, and one day you advance to this greater place where when that's getting stirred up in you because of what you used to do and what's happened in your past, you'd realize it's them. You're already free. You know, I love to watch these guys on YouTube and I like to ask the Holy Spirit, what are they really called to do? These ones that criticize everybody. What are they really called to do? When you're hearing somebody and they're talking, ask the Lord what they're really called to do. I mean, they're just on YouTube spewing out their opinion about something, trying to get followers to hear them criticize something. Aren't we weird? We're so addicted to criticism. I love to watch them and go, man, I wonder what they're really called to do. And the Lord shows me every time. So I just begin to pray that over them. I'm like, Papa, they're just so misguided right now. And I'm just so thankful that you've actually put in them this, the boldness to speak the truth. They're just speaking the wrong truth. But they know they've got to speak it. I mean, oh, that we would burn like that. 13, we're not like Moses, who used a veil to hide the glory. For 14, their minds were closed and hardened for even to this day. That same veil it comes over their minds when they hear the words of the former covenant. The veil has not yet been lifted from them. It's only eliminated when one is joined to the Messiah. Right? So see, that tells me my partnership with Jesus lifts more of the veil. 
over my own eyes, over my own self. I think God wanted to do it just like that, but I think the religious spirit hangs around and nags. Hey, you know, you're not really that good. Yeah, you didn't get, you slept, you overslept. How many's got the oversleep demon? Yeah, you overslept. Yeah. How many, I didn't read my Bible enough demon, got that one. Yeah. How many, when I read the Bible, it's all condemning. Who's got that one? Oh, Tracy got all those. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) How many's had any of these that I'm talking about? See, follow the pattern of what the enemy is punking you about. That's what God's breaking through on. It's not that hard. He reveals his cards all the time. I mean, we've got to be smarter than the devil. We have the Holy Spirit. Right? Is the Holy Spirit smarter than the devil? I mean, really, think about it. Okay, we're about there. I just got two more scriptures, maybe ten. Okay. But the moment, 16, one turns to the Lord with an open heart, the veil is lifted and they see. When? So here's two things to remember. Either you had an open heart and you really can't see. Are y'all playing over here? You had an open heart and you can't see. But all you remember is your past because you're not in the emancipated freedom. Right? Or your heart wasn't open and you just need to make it open. Because it doesn't say the veil is lifted after 25 years of hearing Teresa speak. After years and years of counseling. After years and years of mentorship. The veil is lifted with an open heart. And he says, now the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit. One of my favorite verses in the in the amplified it says now the lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the lord is there is liberty emancipation from bondage true freedom where the holy spirit is why is his presence so important to me because where he is there is freedom That's why we have to make room. I talked about we have to live with the dove in mind because where he is, he's pointing out what's not free. You are free and people need to see what it looks like when your countenance looks free. Look at an old picture. I remember the first day that Tessa ever came to see me. There was no freedom on that girl's face. She wouldn't even look at me. And every now and then when that same little lurky spirit gets on her, she'll return to that same face posture. And I'll be like, get that off. I want to get that off. You're emancipated from that. It says we can draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces and with no veil. We all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of Lord Jesus. We are being transfigured into his very image as we move from one level of brighter glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord, who's the Spirit. He just repeated it. Do you understand that's a process? The more open my heart, 
the more veils are removed. Right? The more I'm trans... I am a mirror. What's What's on the other side of the mirror? Jesus. What's it saying? When you look in the mirror, you see Jesus. I see Jesus when I see you. Do you? Do you see Jesus yet when you see you? Look in the mirror and say what you see. Do you see you? Do you see all the wrongs you've ever done? Or do you see what He's done in you? You are a changed human being. Your face reveals that you've been with Him, that the glory is, is, is being transformation to you. Let's turn to James 1 real quick. James 1, 25. Read all of James 1. It's really good. It says, you, 24, you perceive how God sees you in the mirror of the Word, but then you go out and you forget your divine origin. It's what I'm talking about right now. In light of the Word, because listen, the Word of God is truth, and the Word says you are fearfully and wonderfully made, and you have hope in a future, period. Period. Says a bunch of other really good stuff. That's why the more that you ingest the Word, the more you can do this. You perceive how God sees you in the mirror of the Word. When you read the Word, that's you. He's talking about you right there. It says, But those who set their gaze deeply into the perfecting law of liberty are fascinated by and respond to the truth they hear and are strengthened by it. They experience God's blessing in all they do. So it tells me there's a difference. You can read the word, but if you gaze deeply, that's a little bit longer than reading it from a place of condemnation. If you don't understand that the Bible is a love letter from God in an instruction manual for life, and you think it's a condemning word, you're not reading it with Jesus in your heart. You're reading it with the religious spirit sitting beside you. The religious spirit loves to distort everything that love conquered. Listen, it's saying those who set their gaze deeply into the perfecting law of liberty. What did I tell you that that word liberty meant? It means to do or admit things having no relationship with salvation. Salvation is a relationship with a king. You know, this next season that we're moving into, we have to build from this position, this foundational position of freedom. We can't build something with the materials of the religious spirit or the materials of the worldly system or the materials of that I'm a slave or the materials are of that someone owes me, the materials that I'm offended. We can't build with those materials because we are builders. You can build with those because you're a builder. You're always building something. I mean, when I read those little things that Roly wrote on there, I was thinking, oh my gosh, I mean, like, he could have said anything. Nobody told him what to write on those cards. But he just wants more. He just wants more of everything that's going on. He just wants more. 
right? God wants to build out of our desire for more. Take on His little childlike faith and say, this is the more that I want to build on. This is the more I need to say. One more thing in James 1, I need to read that in the Amplified. It says, but he who looks carefully into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and faithfully abides by it, not having become a careless listener. Don't you love that line? Careless listener. Listen, if you leave out of here every week and you struggle every week just for me to come back and tell the story of your week and you didn't even perceive it, you're a careless listener. I have no doubt that y'all have developed this great capacity to listen to me. I talk about an hour every time I talk. And so y'all have this extreme capacity, but you've got to move from this capacity to sit here and be attentive, which most of you are without eating, you know, without sleeping, right? I mean, bro was like on the edge of his seat every week. And, and then in that moment, you take what you hear and you apply it somewhere. You know, it's one of the things we're going to be doing in small groups starting next Sunday. Oh, a little commercial. New groups, signups are meeting next Sunday, not Wednesday, but you can go pick your own group again. And so, see, that now we're going to start taking, we're not going to be careless listeners. We're going to take the word. You're going to take this word today, for instance, and you're going to talk about it next Sunday. And you're going to talk about it all week. You're going to sign up today in a small group, and then that small group leader is going to contact you this week, and you're going to talk, start talking about this week. Because why? It's time that we do this, that we don't become careless listeners who forget, but an active doer, one who obeys, and he will be blessed and favored by God in all that He does in His life of obedience. Do you want favor? Yes. You want favor. Yes. What is favor? Favor is something you didn't work for. Favor is just somebody just sees you and randomly just blesses you, and they don't even know who you are or why they're doing it. I I heard I heard one of our Desert customers say one time, "I don't know why I'm paying you all this money." They didn't even know why. Just like that little guy Tessa was talking about. You know, she's just ministering to, and he don't know anything else to do but just whip out a 50. I mean, I don't know what I'm doing with these hands or nothing. I mean, I don't even know. Right? Because why? The Spirit of the Lord came in to him to free him. What's the first thing that gets freed in us? It's our wallet. I mean, it really is, I'm telling you, because it's the one thing we self-protect. It's the one thing we hold close. That's the true sign of freedom. Because the weird thing about it is, is that what I release, it multiplies back. We think we got, I got to hang on to make sure it lasts till now, till I die. I remember I used to calculate my bills for six months on my one month salary. And the Holy Spirit was like, why are you doing that? I thought, I don't, I don't really know because it doesn't even work out. <laughs> like, I don't, I never make a month in a month, right. enough in a month yeah. to pay for six months. Yes. And he's like, yeah, I don't have it that way. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> That's the trusting childlike faith. Come on, Mendel. Thank you, Tisa. Such a good message. I'm pretty sure that I dreamt 
the message in metaphor form for the past few days. But I'm going to share a few of them with you anyways. She just described the entire thing. But, <laughs> but you know, I know the pictures sometimes help us. But I do have, I did feel like I had, had this dream a couple nights ago that I felt like was a specific new um, focus for us. It was an instruction and an invitation for us to go forward. And so it is this thing of um, hearing and actually doing what we hear. And so I, I received, I had this dream and I had this powerful encounter afterwards and I saw this new way we could respond to what God is doing to us. And I'm going to read a little bit about that in a moment. But then I proceeded last night to have three little dreams that I think were all the things that work against us being able to do what he asked us to do. So just, I think I got it. I've been asking um, while I sat there. Okay, so the, the, just real quick, but the first dream I had last night, and again, these are the things that I think that we do that keep us from being able to do what he's asked us to do, okay? That is forgetting what we've heard, forgetting what he's already done for us. Um, so the first dream was, basically, I tried to fight uh, a demon in my own strength, and I was very intimidated. Doesn't, didn't work out well, didn't feel very good. We do not have to fight our battles in our own strength. Of course, God fights for them. So if we try to fight in our logical minds and our natural mind, even when we're seeing or discerning things in the spirit, we know are coming against us, but then we fail to partner with him to actually oppose the enemy, then we're going to set ourselves up to be intimidated and to retreat. And then the second dream was there was a, a guy who um, uh, we... Uh, Myself and someone else, uh, two moms, basically decided to help this guy. He was in need and he was having trouble getting a job. And so we decided to collect a bunch of things to give to him to help him out because he was right on the edge of deciding to live a life of crime out of desperation to support himself because he couldn't get a job. And then, but he really wanted a job. So he's right on the line there of kind of compromising his integrity in order to just make ends meet. And so we were like, oh, we want to help him. And so we'll help him meet his needs right now so that he doesn't decide to go towards a life of crime, but could actually, you know, stay the course and, and wait for the job to come along. So we, me and this other lady gathered up all these things and we had them in our car and he was coming to meet us so we could give them to him. But the other lady had gone, had walked away from her car for a minute. And while we're there waiting on her, the guy saw that her door was cracked open on her car. And he saw it as an opportunity. And so before I could convince him to do anything else, he broke into her car and stole half of the items that she was going to give him. So... It was a free gift that was already pre-decided that was his, but he stole it and then took off running, um, you know, which, uh, and so then we were left in this weird positions. Like, do we, do we call the cops now? Or cause we, was it really stealing? Cause we were trying to give it to him, but, and if we call the cops and that's going to reinforce the whole thing, you know, it was just a mess. So. I think the message there is when we've got freely given gifts, God said what he has provided. And then again, we just try to go and rob what we need instead of doing, doing his process, right? 
And so that that will also keep us locked into that old mindset. Okay, these are things you could say that just keep us in that orphan mentality even. So one was trying to fight the enemy out of our own strength instead of God's strength, and one was stealing what God wanted to give us freely in the first place. And then the third dream was the most impactful. And there was in that dream, there was a worship leader, and she discovered, um, I'm having to think how to interpret this exactly, but she discovered that her parents had been in, in an oppressed people group. Okay, so you could just, let's just say they were slaves. But they had a specific name in the dream that um, was odd. And it had, I guess, come out at this point in time what this name, um, that this name had existed. And it, it was Dulce. Okay, the, the name was Dulce and then something like a slave or an oppressed people group that were in bondage. And so I looked up Dulce and it basically means sweet, something that's sweet. But then there's some other um, definitions that aren't, aren't used much anymore that means soothing or agreeable. And so the interpretation of that is that they were a people group who agreed with their bondage, who agreed with the identity of being slaves. They actually considered it sweet slavery, like a sweet slavery that they were soothed by. So they had they had been given an identity identity that they agreed with. Okay. So they were agreed with their oppressor. And so let's just say, um, to use slavery, there was a master over the slaves who the master of the, that was oppressing them and keeping them in bondage. Um, the, the, these people went to that master and said, um, we want to look like we do different in life. Will you give us permission to basically live a lie? Okay, they they said, would you give us, would you change our paperwork so we aren't called this anymore so that people won't think we're like this, but we needed, they needed the master's permission to even do that. So there was a present day worship leader who found out that that was her parents, that her parents had done this and had basically been living a lie. They had been living a lie in terms of they actually had agreed with their bondage and and had received permission by submitting to the the one keeping them in bondage and saying the person keeping them in bondage allowed them to live a lie so if you can if you loop that a few times what does that sound like it's the spirit of religion i think it's the spirit of religion because it's actually keeping you in bondage, but it's living a lie saying that you're actually holy and saved. But they, but they had done this, okay? They had partnered with this oppressive spirit and said, I will keep my identity. I, be I believe you. I believe you, what you say about me. But let me go and lie about it. And I'm going to raise another generation after me from that identity, And the, the worship leader then had discovered this and gone to their leader and were like, well, I think we better keep this a secret because this was a whole um, frowned upon thing that their identity was shameful. We could say it like that. People looked down on slaves back in the day, right? So they were in tension about, do I keep this a secret? And the leader was in tension about whether or not we keep this a secret, 
And so the, the emphasis of that dream right now is that there's got to be a decision made to break partnership with that identity. It's got to be exposed, not lied about. And that's what that, I think that looking in the mirror of the word actually does is it helps you see yourself rightly and it exposes that lie that you've been, maybe you were raised in, that generations before you went, went along with, right? It's a little bit hard to explain, but I think I'm, okay. Just listen back to this message. She described it perfectly. So now keep that in mind when I tell you this last dream and this last dream and little word I wrote that has to do with this new, um, something new that the Holy Spirit wants us to do. I'm going to jump over here to a different notebook. So in this other dream, um, I was at a worship event, okay? And in the dream, Jeremy Riddle came out to lead us in worship. And before doing or saying anything else to the crowd of people there, he just prompted everyone to begin clapping and shouting praise. Now, it was emphasized in my dream that he didn't tell a story. He didn't read a scripture. He didn't give a testimony. He didn't get everybody, you know, riled up to give God praise without saying anything else. He just said, praise God. Just start clapping and praise God. He didn't, nothing else. And I knew that um, I immediately asked the Holy Spirit, even in the middle of the night, what that meant. And I knew that it was about worshiping God for who he is, not what he has done. Okay? It's about who he is. So I'm going to read this, this little word that I wrote, and I'll have to probably explain it a little bit. But he said, I said, God is calling us to himself like never before. He is calling us into personal relationship with him over what he does. So, can we worship him now just for who he is? Can we celebrate him and honor him and give him our whole hearts simply for who he is? We often come to know him by looking at what he does and seeing him demonstrated in our lives. But when does the time come for shifting from that stage of getting to know him to just knowing him? So the, that poses the question of, do we require that he repeatedly demonstrate himself for us to recognize him and honor him and celebrate him? He set us, let me pause here for a minute. That they, let, me, let me emphasize again, those three um, dreams and those examples that I just told you, if you stay in bondage in that way, if you partner with that identity, then if you, you will still, you remain that you the need to be saved remains in you. So remember, a, f a few weeks ago we shared, and I, I shared this word, and I said that if you still have the orphan mentality, then you basically will those self protectors still have a drive because living as an orphan, if you still believe you're an orphan, you think that what can happen to orphans is still possible in your life. So then you will have the need to continue to self protect. But if you see God's redemption in your past and what he's done, then you realize you're covered. You're actually already seated in a place of victory, right? So then you don't have to engage in self-protection because you can actually trust his protection. 
This is the same, same basic thing. Those dreams were examples. If we continue to partner with those things, trying to fight the enemy in our own strength, trying to steal from God what he wants to freely give us, and then partnering with trying to conceal an, an old identity that we, we think, that means we think it still um, is true about us, okay? There's a major theme of distraction today also. I can just testify of that myself. But, um, <laughs> oh my gosh, oh, that's so funny. So, I'm, so, I'm already having a hard enough time trying to put the pieces together. But, okay. If we hang on to, if we still believe that old identity that we are, that we are still slaves, then we will still think that we need to be saved. Now, and that drives the need for him to continue to demonstrate himself as we won't believe that he is who he is if we still see ourselves as who he saved us from being, right? So we would need, we need that constant reminder. Well, you got to demonstrate yourself again because I didn't, I, I still, I'm still fearful from what happened last week. So the emphasis about this is we, he's calling us to worship him for who he is without requiring that he keep demonstrating himself. And this season of maturity, I think that's pretty obvious, right? This is the next level. This is don't just admire the 54-ounce wine glass, but do something with the 54-ounce wine glass. So it, it goes along with that. So I wrote, he set us free from the need to perform under his law. He set us free from needing to perform to know him. Isn't it time that we did the same for him? Right? Isn't it time that we reciprocate and enter into relationship with him for who he is? Because of who he is. Simply because of love and out of love. Now, he's given us this prophetic word that I don't know if you guys caught it exactly because I didn't necessarily emphasize it this way um, last week or whenever it was I shared this. But there's an outpouring of abundant love coming. Every time I see that, it's in all capitals. I mean, it's like a, a name for an outpouring that's coming. There's an outpouring of abundant love. Remember, I, I shared that it was going to be the pinnacle human experience coming to earth an outpouring of abundant love. So I said, what will our response be to his outpouring of abundant love? Better yet, better question, could we go first? He's bringing an outpouring of abundant love. Could we go first? Being those blessed with the foreknowledge of this coming outpouring, could we begin to love on him in a new way now. That's what he's saying he's, we're invited to do. Couldn't, couldn't we and shouldn't we and wouldn't it be the most natural response? Now this interesting thing happened because I, there was a typo and I said, couldn't we begin to love on him in a new way? But I accidentally typed K-N-E-W. It's in a new way. I knew. It's what I know. Worship him from what I, of a knowing. 
So I said, let's give way to true worship. Let's give way. Let's break out of our worship, our worship out of the box we've put it in and step into the new with him. Let's meet him on the road of his coming outpouring. Let's say, let's say we knew you were coming. We knew you were coming. We knew and we couldn't wait. We ran when we heard the news. We ran like the father who ran to his son coming home. We ran to meet you on your way, to meet you in greater intimacy, to meet you with our own new outpouring. Loving him in a new way is what we're being asked to do, invited to do as people who are so blessed to hear him, to hear his prophetic words, to hear what's coming and be, and be taught so deeply about his promises and the power of what he's already done and what he's coming to do. Do you get it? We see the whole picture. We're not, there's, we, we know what happened in the past. The word tells us what he's already done in a million different ways and what it does for us. And then we hear prophetically about what he's doing and what he's, what's coming. So we get the privilege of the full picture. And so what is our response going to be? We could love him in a new way, in a new way. So I want to read this. This is when I wrote this little poem that Tisa read earlier before worship. But I want to read it again in light of that explanation. I thought I never knew you. I thought it was hard to hear you. I thought I never knew you. I thought I was far, far away from you. But you were always there, like the wind that moved my hair. You lead, led me from a place within with a still small voice I thought was my own. I thought I never knew you. I thought it was hard to hear you. I thought I never knew you. I thought I was far, far away from you. But you were leaving fingerprints on me long before I knew of destiny. You were infusing me with love after every heartbreaking injury. You transfused me with more of you every time I was cut through. You replaced the lies with truth so they could speak of hope. You shined a light inside when all my choices buried me. You sustained me with the endless breath you first gave me. You didn't just rescue me, you saved me. You didn't just pluck me out of harm's way. You set me up in a brand new place and lifted my eyes to see your face. I thought I never knew you. I thought it was hard to hear you, but you were sowing a knowing in me all along. In every memory, the seeds you planted left breadcrumbs for me to follow a trail to lead me back to seeing you in a time when I thought I didn't know you. You planted a knowing in me. You gave me the gift of history, the gift of history. Do you understand? It's a gift to have history with God. We've been given the gift of history with him, history with a majestic king, history with a loving father, history with a powerful savior, history with your spirit, history with your very presence. I've been blessed with a knowing. I've been blessed with a sowing, a garden that is always growing. So Jesus, so Father, so Holy Spirit, come and dine in the garden you've been growing. 
Come and taste the precious fruit of my knowing. This is so, the Holy Spirit is just so all over this. If you look back at the different messages we've taught on and the different prophetic words that have been released, there was a, another word not too long ago where he talked about the power of re his redemption, right? How far reaching it was that he was a father who gave us in marriage to Jesus with a dowry, with a wedding chest, fully equipped. And that, that, that power of his redemption went all the way back into our past, redeeming things that were confiscated, redeeming things that were stolen, re redeeming things that we freely gave away in error. His redemption, he was saying your redemption is, is his redemption is full. It's complete all the way into our past. And that's what Tisa's uh, mentioned earlier that I've been, I realized the other day I've been experiencing it. Like for several days in a row, there was a specific memory from like 30 years ago, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, just bam, bam, bam. He's been redeeming so one thing after another. And you can see why this is so important because if we look back on our past with and see his redemption in it, then what we say about him, how we know him right now changes. And so I know I encouraged you that day to read those scriptures on redemption and to really press in to look at how full and complete his redemption is. It's not just for some things. It's not just to get you to heaven, but it's for all of your life, every aspect of your life. So I hope that you've been pressing into redemption, seeing his redemption that fully so that you can see your past with him and see that it is actually a gift of history. When we were praying um, earlier, when I when Tisa asked me to come down and pray for those of you who came up to the front, I I first heard the Holy Spirit say, um, I heard, come like a wrecking ball. And then he said he was releasing the kinder egg experience. Okay. And so a wrecking ball, of course, you know what that is, where you bust things open. But, um, and this, just to tell you, this is a confirmation about this redemption thing about going back into our history is that I, um, I lived in Germany back in the, you know, in the 1900s, way back then. I lived in, in Germany as a kid, and so a lot of my first Christmas memories like were are in Germany. And um, the Kinder Egg comes from Germany. So it was a thing back in like the 80s when I lived there. It was there long before it came to the United States. They were part of my childhood memories were Kinder Eggs on Christmas Day. And it was so fun because you got to open the thing up and there was a little toy inside. So if you don't know what a Kinder Egg is, it, you bust it open and there's a little gift inside, a little toy. And so that's what he said he was doing. He's coming like a with this wrecking ball to bust open those hard shells around the memories that still are a thorn in your side, that still have a painful um, anchor in them that make you think you're still an orphan that challenge the truth of your salvation, that challenge the truth of his redemption. He's busting those open to give you the gift inside, to see the gift inside, because it's a gift. Our history is actually a gift with him if you see it, if you see it through his eyes. So let's press into seeing his redemption over us and partner with with this knowing he's given us, it's a, it's a gift to know him the way we do. We've got to take our eyes off of all the things we think we're lacking that haven't happened yet and focus on what he's already done 
to see the glory of his name in our past, in our history, so that we can just love him from that place of who he is, not what still needs to happen, not what we have faith for in the future, but simply who he is. Can we meet him on the road of his outpouring? Can we say we knew you were coming and we ran to you? We couldn't wait and we're bringing our own new outpouring of love to you. Jesus, we just thank you in advance for what you're doing. We just thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We see your love. We see who you are. We see what a gift it is to just simply know you, to have history with you. And we just want to love you in a fresh new way from that place of knowing you. We will step as a people group. We will step as a tribe and out of our individual choice and our pre-yes into a new kind of worship, K-N-E-W, worship, new worship, a new level of worship. And just like you said today, through Tisa today, we are worship. Worship isn't something we do as an event at church. We are worship. So when we step out into our lives and we go to work, into our homes, we go to the grocery store, we are worshiping because we are worship. So let our every step be with this knowledge of who he is. Let our every step be with this new worship, how we knew him, we know him, and we know we just know who he is. So let us walk in a brand new way in every step of this knowledge of who you are and worship you with our whole beings, with our whole redeemed identities as sons and daughters. So Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would surround this word today with an army of angels to protect the seed that has been planted, that you would water it with your Holy Spirit, that you would give dreams and visions and billboards and people to speak and and metaphors and dreams and things showing up all over the place because you speak in everything. And so we just ask that you would speak. I ask that you would bless this word, that you would make it come alive in each person, that there wouldn't be one person hearing the sound of my voice who would not experience your breath on this word, that you would light it up in us and that you would empower us with the grace that you pre-provided for us to walk in a brand new way. So we say yes to you, Holy Spirit. We say yes to you, Father. We say yes to you, Jesus. We love you. We love you. We love you. We love you, we love you, and we will love you in a brand new, pure way from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.